The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another fabulous edition of Real Real Estate Today. I am your host, Deb Tomorrow. That's T-O-M-A-R-O. I was having to get utilities hooked up on an apartment building that we're purchasing tomorrow, and I nobody could get the last name. It was a challenge. I kept spelling it, and then I'd say, it's like tomato, but with an R, and then they'd be like, rrr, rrr, <laughs> It was a little frustrating. So anyways, hi, Karen. Joined here as always by the beautiful Karen Rassel, who is the best damn letter in the state of Indiana. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. It's a little toasty outside. It kind of is. Doesn't feel like fall yet. It doesn't. I know. I wore a sweater today. Um, I'm trying to channel the fall feelings, but it's just not happening. Not yet. No. So, I don't know. It's October something. And we're also, as always, joined by Rachel who has the face of an angel and the mouth of a sailor. So most of the time we don't let her on air. But I had some interesting um, news about Rachel that I wanted to share. It doesn't really have anything to do with Rachel, but we give her all the props for it. But it has to do with her grandfather, who's being honored by the, you're, correct me because there's lots of acronyms here, but basically he was, um, he was inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. He will be inducted in the Country Music Hall of Fame this fall. And Friday night on your local PBS uh, station, Great Performances, is doing a kind of tribute. There's a video involved. Your grandfather's name was Fred Foster, right? And his claim to fame, Karen, did you know this? Mm-mm. He and Chris Christofferson wrote Me and Bobby McGee. Really? Yeah. I think Rachel should put that link on your website. I think Rachel should sing Me and Bobby McGee for us. <laughs> she should. As another interesting tidbit, her father... So her grandfather is her mother's dad, but on her other side of the family, her father was part of the Charlie Daniels band, and they he was part of the team that wrote The Devil Went Down to Georgia. That I remember us talking about. Right. And then you should tell your you should tell your listeners, we just asked Rachel right before we went on the air, Rachel, what have you done with your life? You know? <laughs> she has some choice words for us. She's like, well, I'm the associate producer for Real Real Estate Today, what's up tomorrow? I mean, that's pretty awesome, right? So anyways, but tune in. We'll put that information up on Facebook. Make sure you've got your Facebook up as you're listening and follow along. There's some good information. We'll put lots of links up. Today is show number 30. Wow. Wow, right? So over the summertime, we were equating our shows to miles. So you figure you can drive, in the time that you listen to one show, if you got in your car, you'd drive about 70 miles. Mm -hmm. So we're at 2,100 miles. Wow. So here's the deal. If you live in Bloomington, Indiana, where we uh, broadcast from the worldwide headquarters of Real, Real Real Estate today, get in your car, start with episode one, 
by the time you get done, you'll be in L.A. There you go. There you go. Completely painless road trip. <laughs> my brother's driving out from Southern California over Christmas, so I may suggest that to him, but I'm pretty sure my nephews will not go for that. Maybe they'll put headphones on. So today we are going to actually talk about real estate shocking. We always eventually get there. Uh, but we're going to talk today about questions that a buyer should ask when you're viewing a home. I was working last week with a first-time home buyer, and we went through a few properties. And um, like I usually do, I said, what questions do you have? And she just kind of looked at me, and she goes, well, what questions should I be asking? I was like, oh, show topic. There you go. There you go. So here we go. So we've got lots and lots of things, and it, it's – yeah, it, it got, I started, it was writing it and finishing it this morning, and I don't know if we're going to get through all of it, as usual. But before we get to that, I had one thing I wanted to talk about, because it's the month of October. Does your son, Jack, celebrate Halloween, like get dressed up and trick-or-treat? Yes, and he stuff? does. What's yes. he going to be this year? Uh, this year, he's going to be a football player. Oh, fabulous. That's easy for mom, isn't it? It's so Since easy. Since he plays football anyway. Yeah, this is his first season, so that's, uh, we're, we're not going to turn in the equipment until after Halloween. Excellent. <laughs> That's that's the kind of Halloween that moms like. I know you live in a neighborhood that's probably pretty big with the trick or treaters too. They yeah. they probably come in from the country and park in your streets. They and, do, yes. Yeah, because yeah. I don't. I've never had trick or treater in ten years in my house. Because I, I live always in the thought that was weird. Yeah, that people come to our neighborhood. Yeah. And let their kids wander around, and they are just parked. Yeah, yeah. they just park on the streets, and then yeah, and they wait for the kids to come back. Right. Well, I thought this would be a good time to talk about zombies. Okay, zombies. I should have sound effects or something. We should do that. What noises? I don't watch any of those Walking Dead movies, but I don't either. Zombies, like mm, mm, I don't know, make moaning noise or something. <laughs> well, there's something that I came across called the zombie foreclosures, and we are actually in a zombie foreclosure crisis. Did you know this? No. Yeah, I didn't either. I always learn something on I your see, show. So. That's why we're here to educate. So I didn't even know what a zombie home was but it's a term that's starting to be used more and more and in fact it's gotten into um, government because there was a congressman who introduced some legislation to combat zombie homes which sounds really funny it involves garlic and wooden steaks that's called vampires right Um, so a zombie home is a home that is vacant or has been abandoned during the foreclosure process so as we know the foreclosure process can sometimes take years Mm-hmm. And apparently, and this was sort of unbeknownst to me, I didn't realize this, sometimes um, the banks will just abandon the foreclosure process too. Like it's not worth it to them. The house is worth so little, it's not worth them having to pay the attorneys and jump through all the hoops. And so everybody walks away. The homeowner walks away. So the house is just sitting it's there. It's just sitting there for years and years and years. Uh, typically, obviously, falls into severe um, disrepair. Um, happens a lot in low-income areas. I'm just, okay, I'm baffled by all because I'm learning this right mm-hmm. now as you're speaking about it. So if the bank just decides, uh, we're not going to go through with this foreclosure, is it as if it goes back? So the ownership is still with the original owner. Yeah. And they probably have no idea. They probably have no idea and they've abandoned the home. Okay. And so nobody really accepts ownership of the property. Hmm. And I'm not sure that property taxes are even being paid on it. So eventually it would probably go to a property tax Tax sale, sale. right? um, which we should talk about one show, make a mental note of that. But um, yeah, for now, if if the lender's not anxious to assume responsibility for upkeep or they want to save on taxes because they don't want to pay them, they want to save on attorney fees, um, the place has fallen into repair, they may just wash their hands of it and be like, "Mm, don't care. 
Um, other times the, the property may have been caught up in that there was a robo signing scandal, especially down in Florida, there was some of that going on sure. and all those foreclosures kind of got held up. And so the foreclosure just can't be completed because it's held up in some sort of legal, legal process. Um, the cost of foreclosing don't justify the cost of completing the foreclosure. Um, so it sits there, and often the town is responsible for maintaining. You know, if the grass gets too high, they have to mow it. No one ever gets paid for it. So there was a, uh, I think, let's see, where is Senator Bob Menendez um, from New Jersey who introduced a bill back in June. Um, New Jersey's got one of the highest, or he says, uh, New Jersey has the highest foreclosure rate and with 35,000 foreclosure filings in 2015, which is a lot for this day and age. And they have the most zombie foreclosures in the nation with over 4,000. And he says, his office says, zombie foreclosures threaten our communities and scare away new home buyers and investors, which leads to neighborhood blight and plummeting values of surrounding properties. So the legislation that they're pushing, it prevents the banks from turning their backs on borrowers, on their neighbors, and on the community at large. Hmm. It kind of seems like they're having to legislate common sense here, but you know. So the things that they're asking, uh, preventing abandoned foreclosures and preserving communities act of 2016 is what the legislation is called. I really think they should have called it. Let's kill the zombies or something. Yeah, I probably just, would have got more attention. <laughs> what they're doing is they're asking um, the legislation would require mortgage servicers to de- tell borrowers at the beginning of the foreclosure process that they can remain in the home until the state law requires them to leave, which is usually after the sheriff's sale and the sheriff will come knock on your door. Well, I so thought they could do that anyway. They can, but they don't realize they can. Mm. They think they get the notice and then they have to be out because they don't, no one really understands how the foreclosure gotcha. process works. Um, it, the legislation also would require the servicer to make uh, clear to the borrower that he or she remains responsible for payment of any taxes, assessments, or fees during the foreclosure process, mowing the lawn, stuff like that, would require the mortgage servicer to make prompt notification to the borrower and the municipality, so the town in which the house is in, if they uh, walk away from the foreclosure, if they decide to just abandon it. And it prohibits um, certain loans from walking away unless they release the lien on the property. So what they're saying is if you're going to just walk away and you have a certain kind of loan, like a FHA loan, if the lender says they're going to walk away, they have to just basically give the house to the borrower. Say, all right, just call it even. You can have the house. We're done. We're not going to fight it. Um, And then it would require some government uh, oversight, CFPB. What's CFPB stand for? Chocolate fudge peanut butter. Yep. Okay. Chocolate fudge peanut butter, which is uh, it's a that's our acronym for remembering an organization that oversees uh, mortgage. The loans. consumer financial. Are you like? Yeah. Okay. I don't know the answer. Okay. It's chocolate fudge peanut butter. Chocolate fudge peanut butter. Nobody understands what we're saying right now. That's okay. Okay. They can Google uh, it. There's an organization, <laughs> there's a group, a government group called CFPB, which is a consumer affairs. Uh, and we, uh, our abbreviation is CFPB and we call it chocolate fudge peanut butter. Um, but anyways, they are required to or report on the prevalence and impact of abandoned foreclosures to help minimize it. So, so that is what zombie foreclosures are about or zombie houses are about and I think you'll see some more and more reporting about that um, as the foreclosure crisis is uh, still still happening so there you go all right so 
like I said, last week I was out showing houses to a first-time buyer, and we, uh, she, you know, I asked her if she had any questions. She said, I, what questions should I ask? Because she didn't really know. So I thought we would go over my top 10 questions. There was an article when I was doing some research. I like to do, um, you know, read some other points of view because I certainly don't know everything as much as I act like it, as much as my mother thinks I know everything. So I pulled up one on a, a site that I actually um, – I think it's on Bankrate, which is a website I generally like. Mm-hmm. And I was all wrong. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I kind of freaked out because I thought, you know, this is where consumers get really, really confused um, is because they'll go to any old website. So this was seven, seven questions to ask before buying a home. And the first point that the article made, and Rachel, don't put this article up because it's wrong. So we don't want anybody to see it. Um, but the first point they made was that you can't, agents can't tell you how much to offer on a house. And Rachel's looking at me like, what the what? This is for ethical reasons. Agents can't tell you how much to offer. That's not true. I can't make you offer anything. I have to do what you tell me to. But I certainly can give you advice and my opinion. Right. I don't understand. I think maybe it was coming from a perspective of, if you call the listing agent and the listing agent's the one who is showing you the house, they can't tell you what to offer. They can't give you that advice because they're working for the seller. They're not working for you as the buyer. Right. But that wasn't clear in this article. So that kind of bothered me a little bit. And then the second thing it said was ask, ask how flexible the seller is on the asking price. I don't know the answer to that. And any good listing agent isn't going to tell me. These are this article is written designed for a buyer to ask their agent these yeah, questions. That's that's okay. Or it's not clear. Okay. Uh, and then it also says to ask, is there a problem with the house? <laughs> I, I don't Sorry. know. I, I wish I knew. If I knew, I would certainly tell you. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But I don't know unless it's disclosed by the seller. And so. You know, yeah. This, so we're going to throw this article out the window. Okay. And we're going to make little paper airplanes with it during break. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk about good questions to ask that you can get good answers that you can do something with. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Why? 
live Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to real real estate today to reach deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show please send an email to deb at real real estate today.com that's deb at real real estate today.com now back to this week's program welcome back sorry i just got a text message that from uh, the love of my life Eurus. he wants to be a guest texter Oh. So he's going to text me during the show so that he can be a guest texter. Ask him if it is real estate related. Like, is he listening right now? I so I kind of doubt it. <laughs> I don't think he's. A, he turned it on once and listened, but it's just weird to hear, you know. Sure. I was in the kitchen. I was like, what are you doing? And then the dogs got super confused. They started looking around, like, where's mama? Yeah. And you were Anyways, okay, so I just got <laughs> sidetracked there. Hey, let's talk about real estate. Uh, so we are talking today about questions you should ask your realtor. This is if you have a buyer's agent. Now remember, I guess we should give a brief review. If you call the listing agent, you call the name on the sign that's in front of the house, that person's working for the seller. So they're going to show you the house and they're going to be super nice to you, but you're kind of on your own with most of these questions. So why not? It doesn't cost you anything more. Why not have your own realtor and develop that relationship before you start to call the names on signs? Unless it's my name on the sign, then you should just always call me. So the first question is one that I'm sure Karen will uh, appreciate. I think the first question you need to ask is, drumroll please, will this home qualify for the loan that I'm trying to get? And the answer is? Well, it depends. But (laughs) remember, your lender uh, is not going to give you a loan if the house is a mess typically. Um, So you want to ask your realtor if they see any condition issues that would be showstoppers. Like what? What would we be looking for, Karen? Missing handrails, peeling Mm. paint, Mm. broken screens, uh, pieces like shingles missing. Oh, that's a good one. None of those were on my list. Oh, those are like the common ones that like are in my head. I forgot about the missing handrails is a big one. If you have more than like three, three, three steps, steps or something, yeah. you've got a hand. Um, yeah. But now that's, I think, typically an FHA for an uh, FHA loan. Any, uh, yeah, I mean, any government loan, yeah. I would be weary about that. Yeah. For sure, an FHA loan. Yeah. But I had government. broken windows. You said screens. Mm-hmm. Missing flooring or missing cabinets, like a kitchen that's been completely stripped. Oh, yes. gonna fly. Uh, missing or non-working mechanicals. So if there's mm-hmm. no hot water, that's a problem. Uh, mold, 
like saline stains, that there's mm-hmm. potential leaks, that kind of thing, are going to all create issues. So hopefully your realtor is experienced enough. They should be able to walk through the house and kind of be like, oh, this might be a little tricky. Uh, may require some a negotiation or there may be some where we just kind of go, oh, there's, it's just too far off. And that happens a lot with foreclosures. Um, there are a few loans out there that are location dependent. So you want to make sure that the home qualifies for that as well. Hopefully you've done that before you've gone to the home. Um, but I know USDA loans are really popular around here um, and those are location dependent there's they only qualify in certain areas of the county so you want to take a look at that and i had a new one this past week did i tell you about this i don't, I don't think, think i did so. so the sellers were flipping the house so they picked it up i don't know where mm-hmm. fixed it up a little bit they had owned it less than 90 days my buyers were getting an fha loan and fha states that you can't write an offer until the seller has owned the house for at least 90 days. Correct. I didn't know that. Or at least I had forgotten that. So then that's fine. We were close. Okay. We were a couple days away. And so we're like, well, let's start negotiations. And, you know, we'll kind of finalize the paperwork once that day has passed. But then we find out that even when we hit that 90-day mark, that the sellers have owned the home for 90 days. If it's less than 180 days, there has to be two appraisals. That is true. If the value of what, if if the price that the flippers are selling it for uh-huh. exceeds a certain value than what they okay. acquired it for. Okay. So that happened in your case? That, yes. Okay. So the lender said we have to have two appraisals, one of which cannot be paid for by the buyers. Correct. So what happened was then we had to ask for a whole lot of closing cost assistance and it was too much for the seller's taste and we weren't able to get the deal together. I was going to say a lot of times the lender will pay. For yeah. that second appraisal. Yeah. But and that can you explain why that rule exists? I wish I could. Okay, it's one of those government rules. I mean, yeah. it, it came into place because of um, the flipping, you know, ten years ago, and people were inflating values and then trying to pull cash back out of the house and and things like that. So the government went in and kind of put some rules in place to help that. You know, I've always wanted to know exactly why on the on the FH loan, FHA loan in particular has that rule. I have no idea, but I I can tell you that that is something I am looking for when someone comes and says, "Hey, I found this property." I go, I look. Okay, this person's only owned it for X. Right. We may not go if you're wanting to buy this wanting to buy it right now, we may have to look at a conventional loan or some right. other loan program. Right. Um so now that I know that, I know that, you know, it's a fair question that your buyers may not know, but as their realtor, I should check when did you know you can tell when a house is a flip mm-hmm. so hey when did they buy it and didn't have enough time mm-hmm. passed so I thought that was interesting so will the home qualify for the loan I'm trying to get based on the condition and the location question two do the sellers provide any document supporting documentation like surveys list of improvements the listing uh, do a pre-listing inspection disclosures receipts of any work that's been done anything like that sometimes that stuff is online your realtor should be able to get it for you Sometimes it's sitting on the kitchen table, uh, especially if there's like big giant surveys. A lot of times they'll leave those out. Um, I encourage my sellers to like, you know, tape a receipt to the furnace if it's new or if it's been serviced recently or um, if you've had a structural engineer report, you know, tape that to the basement wall or something like that. Um, we've talked about disclosures in another uh, episode, in a previous episode. So uh, if you have questions about that, I would t- listen to that one. We'll have to figure out what number that is. I need a grand uh, index of all the shows and the topics that I can refer to. Um, and then 
interesting little tidbit. Here's another story for you. If your realtor, even as the buyer's agent, your realtor might know something about the house. Chances are they don't. Chances are, you know, they haven't been in the house. They haven't had conversations with the seller. I had a weird thing happen last week, though, that kind of illustrates what my obligation is to disclose to my uh, buyers. House came on the market. I had had buyers try to buy this house about four years ago. And it came on the market, and I knew a great floor plan. I loved the house's floor plan. But what happened with my buyers four years ago was that they did the inspection, and there was massive storm damage to the roof. We find out that the sellers took the insurance money and spent it, never got the roof fixed, and never disclosed that there was major storm damage to the roof, and didn't have any money to fix it. So it was like just accepted as is. All a little fraudulent. Okay. Because they knew, they didn't disclose. They let my buyers spend money on an inspection and on an appraisal, you know, and not having all the correct information. Is that still pending right now? No. Are they going to get our... Oh, this was four years ago. And so we raised a ruckus. And made the buyers um, bring us cashier's checks for the, any out-of-pocket money that, that the buyers had been under threat of. It's either that or we're going to an attorney kind of thing. Um, and they did. So this house comes back on the market. It hadn't sold. It, it never, like, they took it off the market. But it came back on the market, and I showed it to some clients last week. And But before I showed it, I actually contacted the listing agent, who was a different listing agent this time. And I said, how old's the roof? And she said, it's brand new. <laughs> She says, two layers of shingles, but it's brand new. And I was like, all right. So I felt better about that. But I did feel like I had an obligation to my buyers to kind of tell them the whole story Mm -hmm. um, so that they knew that if it was a house that they were interested in, I would certainly want an extra fine eye looking at that roof, getting in the attic, because my concern is that that roof was sitting there for four years with storm damage. So is there any damage uh, in the attic? Mm -hmm. You could freshly paint the ceilings. But there could be, you know, some water damage in the attic, too. Now, is that something that that realtors should do if they're, if like, you knew something about that home? Is that something that's written that says that you should share that with your clients? Um, in my code of ethics, if I know something, okay, then I have an obligation to share it. That's how I feel, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I feel, too. So I try to share it and maybe not sound quite as dramatic as I did in recounting the story and try to not channel all of the anger that entered me four years ago when we were dealing with that situation. Well, I had um, I had a buyer that wanted to purchase a home, went through the home inspection. The entire basement had mold in it. Um, it needed, you know... Not just bleach or however the quick yeah. fix people do. I mean, it was going to take a lot of money. So they walked away from the deal. About a month later, I have another buyer who said, oh, I need a pre-approval letter. I'm interested in 123 Main Street. Yeah. And I looked up. I thought, okay, that house is familiar. It's the house that, has, that had yeah. the mold just a month ago. Wow. And so... I, I, I let them know. I said, I just want you to know that right. I had clients go through the expense. I said, I would have your agent ask about this. Yeah. Because if you're about to do the same thing and you'll, you know, you're going to spend whatever, $400 on an inspection. They didn't go through with it. They didn't. They backed down. Yeah. 
It's yeah. kind of sellers think they can get away with it, and well, sometimes they can't. Yeah. Um, all right, number three, do we know the age of the mechanicals, or can you tell? Now, I'm not an expert, and uh, if it's not written down in the listing, I may not know. I can. Sometimes you can look at um, serial numbers and kind of figure out what the age is in there. So it's a good question to ask, but you may, may not be able to tell. Um you know, finding out if it's gas or electric. Now, utility costs. This is kind of one of my bugaboos, if you will. Um, people want to know utility costs. That's a fair question for sure. I encourage my sellers to provide that information when I'm on the selling side. But when I have the buyers, I always recommend that they call the utility companies directly. Will they give that information out? Most of them like will. You can ask for the last 12 months average of any property. Um, and most of them will tell you what that is. But here's my theory. The utility company doesn't have a vested interest in giving out good numbers. It doesn't matter to them. A seller's trying to sell a house. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make sure that you get good information. I don't want to call the utility company because I don't want to have you call me in January and be like, you told me the gas bill would be $92. Right. It was 343 <laughs> Uh-uh. Nope. So I'm going to provide you the resource, which is to call the utility company. And if we can't get it, we certainly can ask the sellers as well if they haven't provided it. But that is definitely uh, one of the best routes to go. Question number four is about property taxes. So make sure you know as you're going through the house and kind of absorbing everything, if it's a home that you like, talk a little bit with your realtor about the property taxes and ask them if there are any exemptions on it. Now, this is going to vary a little bit by state. Um, Property taxes are different everywhere, but most states do offer some sort of exemption process, which just basically means that you are taxed. There's a portion of the value of your home that's tax-free. So you're only taxed on a portion of the home if it's owner-occupied. And then there's other exemptions. I was just looking at one the other day, and it had, uh, there was a disabled veteran that was living in there, and there are large tax exemptions. Yes. Very, very large. So somebody looks at that and thinks that's what the property taxes are, it's going to change if you're not keeping those same exemptions. I was wondering if you were going to bring that up because mo- most realtors and lenders will definitely look to see if there are the basic ones. Is yeah. it non-owner-occupied versus owner-occupied? But you have a disabled uh, veteran deduction where that is a huge tax break. And then in, a, in the next year, once it's reassessed in your name, your taxes will go up unless you, too, are a disabled veteran. Yep. So I don't know if everyone looks at that. Yeah, and you need to have that because you certainly don't want that uh, to hit you a year from now and your property taxes go way up and, and you weren't expecting it. So, All right, well, we've already gotten through four of our ten, so I'm feeling pretty good about it, although some of the biggies are coming uh, towards the end. So let's go ahead and take another break. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. We will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions, and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. In the spirit of Have Couch, Will Travel, 
Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. Today we are talking about questions you should be asking your realtor when you are touring a home, going through a home, and starting to seriously consider a property. These are questions we can answer as opposed to the questions that we cannot answer that we get a lot of. Um, And I don't know if we'll have time to get to those or how much will they come down in price? Will they throw in the lawnmower? I don't know. I, I can't answer that. We could ask, but I don't I don't know, which cracks me up because people always look at me like I should have the answer to that. I should know if the seller's willing to throw in the lawnmower. Have they had any offers? I don't I don't really know. There's a lot of houses <laughs> out there on the market and I don't know. Um, so one good question to ask number five, where are the property lines or is there a survey? I may not be able to answer that, um, but I do have a really cool app on my phone. Do you have the GIS app on your phone? I sure do. I love it. Um, So find out what, if you've got an app for your county, um, the GIS app is awesome here. Uh, 39 Degrees is the company that puts that on. We should shout out to them. Chris Wells and the group over there at 39 Degrees, they do a great job. But um, it's really cool, and you can kind of pull up aerials, and it gives you a general idea of the property line line boundaries. Um, What's most useful about it is not just sort of giving you an idea of the, the shape of the lot, but what's behind it. Because you can, like, go and, you know, you click on it, the lot behind, you can see who owns it. You can see if it's a big lot that maybe is ripe for development. You can see how far away the train tracks are because you can't, sometimes can't see that when you're standing on the back deck. So you can actually get a much better idea of what's surrounding you. Is there a quarry? We have a lot of quarries around here. Mm-hmm. If you haven't seen the movie Breaking Away. Please go rent that this weekend and you'll learn about Bloomington uh, and the quarries that people used to swim in. But we have a lot of quarries. And so if you're close to a quarry, sometimes you can feel some shaking and whatnot. (laughs) There's explosives. So having that aerial view as you're standing there is really, really useful. So um, also, I always say I love summertime because you can see 
by how the grass is mowed, where everybody thinks their property lines are. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of nice too. It kind of gives you a general idea. But while you are standing at the property is a time you want to have that discussion with your realtor and try to get some clarity. If you're buying a big piece of land, it's very common to kind of go back and walk the property line boundaries. Um, sometimes we'll even, you know, I've sold some uh, cattle farms where we actually will have the seller show us the property lines because it's just too hard to tell otherwise. All right, number six. This is a good one. What do you think of the list price? Um, I think that's a great question to ask. Do you know of any recent sales in the area? Um, Do you think the home will appraise? That's a question that that my favorite lender always asks me. Okay. (laughs) Is it going to appraise? Are we going to be okay? Sure. Um, You know, start to have a conversation about what's the best negotiating tactic for the home. And certainly, as the realtor, don't have the the 100% answers, but certainly would hope I have enough experience under my belt that we can kind of talk through um, everything. Um, That's funny. I get that question too. They'll say, do you think that the house is priced right? Yeah. I have no idea. You do. Right. But I, I kind of, I, you know, I look at, okay, who's the listing agent and, and I said, you know, for the most part in our market, I think um, most of the realtors here know how to price the home. But there are a few that typically overprice. There are some that will do that. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, you know, it'll come down to the appraisal. And we've got great local appraisers, too. So right. if it comes back less than the, you know, purchase price, then you'll have to go back to right. the table to negotiate. Well, here are some sub-questions that I sort of ask or I look into. Um, you know, one, in terms of when we're thinking about how well is it priced? Is it priced appropriately? How long has the home been on the market? One thing I want to point out to people is that be sure you dig back a little bit on that. I usually carry a printout with me when I'm showing homes, and it lists days on the market, but it also lists accumulative days on the market. And I think if you go on some of the um, internet sites, it'll show you that too. Um, so I'm going to tell you a secret. Everybody lean in. Okay, here's a little secret. Sometimes listing agents will take a house off the market and then put it back on the market like later that day so that it pops out as new. Hmm. I'm sure everybody's seen that and said, that's not a new listing. But we're doing that because we've set you've set yourself up on probably automatic searches on some website. So if we take it off and maybe we make a price change, but we want people to notice it, we'll put it back on as new. You have to unlist it. Like we terminate the listing contract for, you know, three hours and then we uh, relist it. So the sh- that's a secret. Don't tell anyone. But most online systems today are picking up on that. I can easily click on the history in my system and be able to say, okay, yeah, it says eight days on the market, but really it's been 353 days. So you, that's one important thing I think to take into account when you're um, looking at uh, pricing. Uh, okay, quick question. Mm-hmm. So... Besides what you just said, maybe there's a reduction in price, and so they would maybe go in and do that. But what if you had a house on the market last year Mm -hmm. and then decided, okay, uh, it was on the market, we took it down for the whole winter, and now we're going to put it back up this spring. Would would your numbers be able to show that, yes. When does it restart? Um, I think that in my system, like in my realtor system, there has to be at least a 90-day gap. Okay. For it to restart. However, if you look at like my favorite website, yes. Zillow, um, is going to show you the whole history from way back when. Okay. I mean, it'll say this house was listed in 2005 for, you know, or whatever. I don't know how far back it goes, but it goes back. So you can't hide anymore. You used okay. to be able to hide from it and you can't really, I mean, it's out there how long the house has been for sale. So if we know how long the house has been on the market, 
that doesn't really tell us anything if we know that neighborhood. So here's an example. There was a house that came on the market last week, and the last couple houses in that neighborhood had multiple offers within like one or two days being on the market. So really, really hot neighborhood, not a lot, no inventory in there. So this new listing is like way overpriced. It's probably like 10% higher than any house that sold recently. Like I just don't see how it's going to appraise at all. But I'm sure the seller's hoping to capitalize on the high demand in that area. And my thought was it might get an offer for that price, but I don't know that it's going to appraise. Mm-hmm. I showed it to a couple of different clients and we all kind of thought the same thing. And they just, my clients were like, ah, I'm not going to take that chance paying for an appraisal. And then it doesn't appraise. Now the house has been on the market for seven days, which doesn't seem like very long at all. However, when you look at what everything, what all the other houses in that neighborhood are doing, mm-hmm. that's a really long time. And it tells you that it's probably not priced pro, uh, appropriately. Um, and I'm going to guess that the seller's probably going to be a little bit more, more negotiable, even though only seven days have passed. Does that make sense? It does. So you kind of have to take that, the neighborhood into consideration. I can't say, you know, if it's been on the market for 30 days, then you reduce the price by this much you know, mm-hmm. for the buyer. There's just not a black and white formula for it. Um, and, you know, if it's been on the market for 90 days, expect a 10% price reduction and a lawnmower thrown in. There's, it's not a spreadsheet. It's not, you know, there's, there's too many humans involved for it to be like that. Um, but one thing you also want to look at in a good conversation to have in terms of price is have the sellers lowered the price at all. Um, I always, and this is a common question, and I have a hard time looking it up on my phone when I'm out there um, looking at houses, but it tells me a lot about the sellers. Um, and so when people say, well, wh- what do you think we should price that? I always say, well, let me, I want to go figure out where they started because I want to kind of get my hand around what was their expectation in the beginning? Mm-hmm. How disappointed are they going to be now with whatever they end up with? So here's another case study. There was a house, you remember Chelsea? Mm-hmm. So she was watching this house. So she was keeping me educated. One of my clients was keeping me educated about it. She moved away to, to North Carolina, but um, she still watches the house online, which is pretty funny because it hasn't sold yet. So there's a house <laughs> on uh, five acres close to town, very desirable schools, and five acres is a great size lot, good size house. It's dated, but, um, you know, not crazy. So um, the listing looks like it's been on the market for 233 days, but that actually doesn't tell the whole story because it was first listed in April of 2015. A year and a half ago mm-hmm. for $350,000. It ran for six months, and that listing ended up at 329000 Then it came in the mark, came off the market in November, and it was relisted with a different realtor in February. So they waited for that 90 days to pass so that the day count started over again. Gotcha. But we all know. <sighs> um, and they relisted it for three hundred. So it's originally at three fifty, now they're down to three hundred. So in their minds, they're mourning the loss of fifty grand. Sure. Off the bat. That was February. Oh, still nothing. And it's now what, October? Okay. Oh, it's still sitting there. Price is down to two fifty nine. Wow. And so they're almost a hundred thousand dollars below where they started. Uh, it's been about thirty days since the last price drop. But I certainly feel like, you know, looking at that history is going to tell me a lot about where to go in on price. And they've had, it's two different agents, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Okay. And and I'm also going to go in to, um, I'm going to go online and figure out who the sellers are. I'm going to Google the heck out of their names. 
I'm going to try and figure out what the situation was. I did this last weekend with a, a listing we were making an offer on. I was like, oh, look, thanks, Facebook. You're, they're retiring to Florida, and they're moving next week. And they had a garage sale on Saturday. So they're ready to go. <laughs> you know, so we're going to you know, be a little bit more aggressive maybe than we typically would because we think that they're ready to go. So those are all, that's sort of the history that you have to take into context. Sometimes your realtor can tell you that off the top of their head or while you're at the house. And sometimes it's something they have to go back and do some research on. So don't get frustrated if you're asking your realtor, well, what should I price this house at? And, you know, they can't give you an answer right away. We're going to go ahead and take our last break and then come back with a pretty heavy hitting topic. I want to make sure we've got a few minutes for it. Um, and then we may end up finishing the, uh, finishing it up the following week. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What makes a great leader? Most have a vision, one that starts beyond the resources available and continues from that point into developing a solid plan, organization, and company. Leadership issues are discussed each week on VoltCast, illuminating leadership with host Jeff Smith. Jeff has years of experience as a leader and executive coach, and his guests will bring you information that can help a team of any size. Listen every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. What voice guides your sexual needs and desires, yours or others? The Sexual Voice with host Jessica Ford is the show to lead you to a happier, healthier, and more fruitful sexual self. Let Jessica help you find your own unique voice to express sexual feelings, gain confidence, and to appreciate your own needs and desires. Listen live every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. There is a sexual voice inside of everyone. Come discover yours. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, we are back. Welcome to segment four, which is known as the segment where Deb Speed talks so she can get through the second half of what he intended to talk about during today's show. So we are talking about questions and things you should be discussing with your realtor while you are looking at homes. The next three questions kind of go together. Um, what are the schools in this area um, or are the schools good? Uh, what's the neighborhood like? Um and what's the third question? Oh, I guess it kind of goes along with like who lives in the neighborhood. 
Okay. These are questions I cannot answer for you. And a lot of people get frustrated and they think that I'm just being a lazy realtor. Um, but I legally cannot answer these questions for you. And I want to kind of just go into a little bit of why that is, because it has to do with the Fair Housing Act. Um, it's so there's so much to it. I'm trying to figure out where I want to even start. But the theory is that the realtor is sort of in a position to make an impact on property values and make people feel unwelcome. Um, the Fair Housing Act was enacted in 1968 to eliminate housing discrimination. And as we know, um, with a lot of the um, fair housing and equal opportunity and all, all those acts, um, they, uh, the law protects against discrimination based on race, color, national origin, religion, sex, disability, or family status. So in particular, as it relates to real estate, it prohibits any real estate professional from steering prospective buyers or renters toward or away from a community based on any of the classes under federal protection. And you say, fine, what does that have to do with schools? I just want to know what the good schools are. Well, there's a, there's a short jump from what you just said to, yeah. to with, you know, with schools. So. Right. so even if I'm answering a direct question, it could be construed as steering. So if you ask me what the best elementary school in town is, and I say, well, it's Wilford Brimley Elementary, then that would imply that I'm steering you towards certain neighborhoods. And that Rachel's laughing. Did you pick up on my Wilford Brimley? Mm-hmm. You can put a little box of Quaker Oats or something up there. Cause that, uh, anyways, um, because uh, typically the good schools or the quote-unquote bad schools are associated with um, socioeconomic status and mm-hmm. any number of these protected classes. And so by me saying a school is good, it's going to steer you away from certain neighborhoods and away from potentially certain protected classes. Does that make sense? It makes sense to me. Oh, no. <laughs> I it's, am very shocked, though, the number of realtors that don't follow that. It's hard because people ask you questions. They ask you direct questions. And, and there's an article, and I think Rachel's going to put some of these articles up here. Look, here are some questions. Uh, well, like somebody's, for example, new to town, and they say, well, you know, we're Jewish. We'd like to live near the synagogue. Can't help you with that. Well, I'm just saying there's uh, so many resources out there online that you can yes. find a lot of this information and not put your realtor or your lender or anyone else in in that awkward position of trying to not break any laws and regulations right. by speaking about those things. But most people, I, I don't think it crosses their mind that that's the case. Um, you, this concept of steering, um, basically it's it's... Steering occurs when an agent limits the housing options available to a buyer by direct directing prospective home buyers interested in properties to different neighborhoods and, and communities, even in same parts of the neighborhood. You could say, well, you know, your kind of people live over here. It wouldn't be that blunt, mm-hmm. but it can be it, it can happen like that. Even if an agent expresses his or her own positive or negative views about certain schools, um, that purpose can be directing someone away. And so I guess that's the thing to think of is does my answer direct someone towards or away a certain community? And if it does, then I need to not answer it. There you go. It's sort of the <laughs> rule of thumb. But it is super, super tricky. Um, there was a, in one of these articles, I thought it was interesting. There's a list of what you shouldn't hear from an agent. So here's an example. This neighborhood won't work for you. Too many insert group of people live here. 
whatever that is. That could be race. It could be national origin. It could be, you know, anything. Um, if, if there's an advertisement stating no pets, no kids, that's a violation That's a family status. Um, the seller would like a nice family to put down roots here. That's a, that's a, a violation of family status and fair housing. Um, we have a list of prohibited words that we're not allowed to use when we write listings. So we can't say things like walking distance too. Because that could be discriminatory against someone who's handicapped and isn't able to walk. That's so, I mean. I know. It's, again, we're no, legislating I, a little common sense here. But I, I see but that. But it is what it is. I see that a lot, though. Yeah. You're not supposed to. That's so, that part is interesting. And I don't think about that, that particular uh, example you just did, because we have so many things close to Indiana University. Right. Where you are within right walking distance right. just like close to campus three yeah. blocks from campus yeah how you traverse that three blocks is totally up to you right um you can't say things like that's a pretty high crime neighborhood yeah and it's tough because especially again you know with the parents and the they're sending their kids maybe they're buying a house for their kid to live in you know is this a safe area for the kids well, here's the resources for you to look up the sheriff reports and the police reports and the sex offender registry. Mm-hmm. So you might want to check those out. Yeah. That's how I'm allowed to answer it. This one gets me too. Um, to get to the house, turn left on Pine Street. If you pass the church, you've gone too far. We're not allowed to say things like that. Because it could be discriminatory against religions or someone. Yeah. Hmm. It's saying this is a neighborhood with a church in it. And maybe, you know, hey, you're not a churchy person, so... You don't belong around here. It could be construed, yeah. Uh, this house might be a little much for a single woman to handle. Wow. Well, that sounds like something Donald Trump would say, but it's um, <laughs> the only political statement I'm going to say this year. Um, or uh, even making the assumption, since you're in a wheelchair, you won't want the second floor unit. I can show you the ground level unit instead. That's not up to you to decide if the person's asking to see a certain unit. Now, the question is, how do we get busted? Did you know this? We have like secret shoppers. I don't know. I have disclosures that yeah. clearly state if you have felt discriminated against for a slew of yeah. reasons, yeah. here here's who you file those complaint those complaints with. We actually, and I'm sure I don't know that we have disclosures like that. I mean, if, if people did the research, they could certainly file a complaint. However, we also have, um, I call them secret shoppers. There are people who you know work for the government that will call up and ask certain questions to see how you answer them just to kind of, you know, make sure that everybody stays on their toes. So this is something that we all take very, very seriously. So if you ever feel like your realtor isn't answering the questions or you think they're being lazy because they're telling you to go check the sex offender registry and just to tell instead of telling you yourself, that is not the case. They just have to be really, really careful about what they are saying. Um, So that was sort of question seven, eight, and nine about what's the neighborhood like. Here's a tip. I think this is a good question. Tell me what you think about this. What if a buyer were to ask the agent, do you have any clients who have bought in this neighborhood before? I would say that's a privacy issue. I don't know. But maybe. But could I talk to that person? Would that person be willing to talk to me? Those people can have any kind of conversation they want about the neighborhood. They could. Yeah. But can you give out... Well, I wouldn't give out there. I would, I would talk to my past client first and say, hey, I have someone who's interested in looking at the neighborhood, interested in your mm-hmm. neighborhood. Would you be willing to talk to them about what the neighborhood's like? Yeah. That's totally fair game. You're probably going to get a more legit answer from them, too, because they actually live there. Um, or walking the street, walking around the neighborhood on a Saturday morning when people are out and about doing things um, can be another great way. I have people do that all the time. 
I don't have the the nerve to do that. I'm not like a walk up to. I don't know. I, I don't think walk I, up to strangers and start talking to them. I think I just know all of my neighbors. I'd be like, who the hell is that coming down my street on a Saturday morning, just so acting you, like that they they live in the neighborhood? You live on a dead end. That'd be weird. It is weird. Yes, but. <laughs> Go to garage sales. That would be another great way to. Um, and then I think number 10 question is having a conversation with your realtor about how quickly do you think the house will sell? When do you think I should make an offer? What makes this area hot or not? Sound like Paris Hilton. Uh, is this a seller's market or a buyer's market? You know, that's always a conversation that I like to have with my clients before we leave the house. Like, okay, if you are interested in this house, you need to make a decision in the next 30 minutes. Or, hey, you can sleep on it. So that's a fair uh, question to ask as well. Um, again, questions that your realtor probably don't have answers to. Will they throw the lawnmower in? Uh, will the seller pay for my closing costs? Are there any offers on the table? Those are things that we'd have to kind of dig into a little bit more. So um, some great questions, some things to think about when you are going through the house with your realtor. Don't just walk through the house like a zombie coming full circle here. Don't walk through the house like a zombie, but ask questions, have some conversation, know what your realtor can and can't answer, know where the resources are. What do I like to say, Karen? That you want to not be the source, but be a resource. We are not the source of information, but we are the resource on where to find the information. So we can help you find out anything you're concerned about. And that's all within the legal realm. So, all right, another great show in the books. We are now in Los Angeles. (laughs) <laughs> We've hit our 2,100 miles, stuck in rush hour. I'm uh, going to go have dinner with Kim Kardashian. Thanks so much for tuning in. And we will be back next week with another great show. This was Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb, tomorrow for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.